decided to do Mary Edwards Walker, mainly because of the pictures that exist of her, because she did not give a fuck. She is born to incredibly progressive parents. Okay, so this is 1832, and they're devoted Christians, but they were, quote, free thinkers. So they wanted to raise their kids to question gender roles. So even Alva, her father, would do household chores while her mom, Vesta, would do go out and do, like, manual labor. <laughs> Now, in 1861, of course, Civil War begins. She decides she's going to go to Washington because she's a doctor. And so she's going to go to Washington. She's going to offer her services for the Union Army. And, of course, she gets there. And they're like, you're a woman, so you can be an unpaid volunteer nurse. Oh, My what goodness. an insult. That is a huge step She's a step doctor, down. and they let her be an unpaid nurse? Fuck those dudes. Hey, welcome to Broads You Should Know, the podcast about amazing and badass and interesting women in history. I'm Sam Eggers. I'm Sarah Gorski. And I'm Justin Xavier. You guys, I'm super excited today to talk to you about a badass woman named Mary Edwards Walker. Have you guys ever heard of her? I have not. No. Okay, I hadn't either until today. And uh, like many of us uh, in the world right now, I've been inspired by sort of the people on the front lines of COVID-19 and, you know, doctors and nurses who are um, being put in really horrible circumstances right now for their careers. And um, so I thought, I want to look up female doctors from history. And I was so overwhelmed with how many fucking badass female doctors there are and have been in the world. I was so overwhelmed, but so it was a really hard decision. I might have to talk about some more of them in the future. But I decided to do Mary Edwards Walker, mainly because of the pictures that exist of her. So I want everyone to do themselves a favor, and I want you to go online. I want you to just look up pictures of this woman, because she did not give a fuck. And she's so cool. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I'll talk to you. I'll get started and talk to you about her, and then you'll understand why you need to see pictures of her. These pictures are no joke. I love these pictures, Sam. I looked yeah, them up. She looks like an owl. Wait, look at her as she gets older, and look at what she wears. Like, keep going, listeners. You gotta check. You gotta check these out. Oh Was wow! Was she like a model? Why does she have so many pictures? Isn't she awesome? I love this one down here. Letter later in 1911, where she looks like like she literally is the oldest human alive. Like she's a corpse wearing a wearing a tux. <laughs> I love the top hat one. The top hat one is amazing. The top hat's my favorite. I like this hairstyle with the really long banana curls. You don't really see that look very much. <laughs> and this like war general in a chair pose. It's phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, you, well, Justin, please edit a whole bunch of that. <laughs> no, it's um, all Stan. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Mary Edwards Walker. Uh, was born November 26, 1832. And she's the daughter of Alva and Vesta, which I felt like I needed to include because I think they're great names. So good. So good. Alva and Vesta. Uh, Anyway, so she has six siblings and she is born to incredibly progressive parents. Okay, so this is 1832. We're talking upstate New York. And they're devoted Christians, but they were, quote, free thinkers. Okay, so... They wanted to raise their kids to question gender roles. So the kids would share work around the farm. So even Alva, her father, would do household household chores while her mom, Vesta, would go out and do like manual labor. And the kids were encouraged to do this as well. That's like crazy progressive for that era. 
That's crazy progressive. Isn't that insane? For 1832. On top of that, apparently, um, uh, Mary's mother, Vesta, thought that it was unsanitary and unhealthy for girls to wear big skirts and restrictive corsets and all of and um, sort of the typical clothing for women. So they really encouraged their daughters to wear pants with sort of shorter skirts on top of them, which is also for the time like crazy. They sound like time travelers. <laughs> oh my god, what if they were? From the future, let's go back and challenge some gender norms in the old days. <laughs> They're like, I know what we're going to do. Yeah. I have a great... If you could time travel, what's the one thing you would do? Mm, go challenge gender roles on a farm in upstate New York. In the, in the 1830s. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, so um, as, long, as well as being uh, sort of non-gender normative as, and really uh, open-minded as parents, they also really valued education. And so uh, her parents actually had started a local school and um, it was the first free schoolhouse in Oswego. And so all of the kids were encouraged to go there and education was really important. And um, after primary school, Mary and um, her sisters, they go to Folly, I think that's how you pronounce that, seminary in Fulton, New York. And this also is a place that's um, considered really modern. And I guess now you'd probably think of it as like a really progressive liberal arts school. And I love that in this description of it, they say it emphasizes modern social reform and gender roles, education, and hygiene. 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 Douching? It's like douching, right? It's that lady's hygiene. 101. That's, that's <laughs> all it is. That's literally that's it. Four years. <laughs> four years of period classes. <laughs> um, and so she graduates from college. And uh, she really wants to go to medical school, so she begins teaching school uh, and uh, to save money so that she can go. And she eventually attends Syracuse Medical College, and she graduates with honors as an MD in 1855. She's the only woman in her class, of course, and only the second woman to ever graduate from Syracuse Medical College. So already she's like wearing pants, breaking boundaries, taking names. She's incredible. She's badass. She's already a badass. She's badass. So in 1855, she gets married. She marries a guy who's a, uh, another medical school student. His name's Albert Miller. And when they get married in 1855, she wears trousers with a short skirt over them. She refuses to say obey in her vows. And she keeps yes. her last name. Wow. In 1855. Yes. That's amazing. What? Oh my God, I love her. How could you? I'm just so impressed. Like It would take, uh, you would have to have such balls to be able to withstand the societal pressure at the time. Can you imagine what people, how, how people treated her? It must have been horrible. How rad, too, that she found a dude who, like... Was cool with all that? Yeah. Yeah. Like, shout out to that dude for being supportive. Totally. For being an ally, man. And um, so they set up a practice in New York, but apparently it doesn't do very well, mainly because people don't really trust female physicians at the time. You know, they probably think female physicians are like witches and they just, you know, they're like hysterical. They're hysterical. How could they? They have so many emotions. Their brains are so small. How are they knowing things? How could they handle it? Exactly. Um, So the marriage doesn't really last, but I couldn't find too many details on when. Apparently they end up getting divorced. And, they, and there's an account that suggests infidelity, but who knows? They end up getting divorced. It doesn't work out. I think she was kind of a pill, so <laughs> I can imagine she might have a tough broad to live with. So she really, really gets into this dress reform. And she really 
um, leans into it being for health purposes, which I've really been struggling to understand why she considers it uh, a health issue. So she, in 1871, she said, quote, the greatest sorrows from which women suffer today are those physical, moral, and mental ones that are caused by their unhygienic manner of dressing. And I'm like, why is it unhygienic? And the only thing I could come across was that she thought that all of the long skirts and petticoats um, collected and spread dust and dirt, which I just thought was incredibly interesting. Hmm. Hmm. It's very specific. It is, isn't it? She even writes to a women's journal called The Sybil, a review of the tastes, errors, and fashions of society. And uh, she writes about her campaign against women's fashion for its injuries to health, its expense, and its contribution to the dissolution of marriages. I would love to read this article. <laughs> I know. The dissolution of... The, the skirts were the reason? Yeah. <laughs> Apparently. I love her. <laughs> I know I do. I'm with her on the expense. Because, I mean, that's she was already keen to the pink tax even then, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, but yeah. Oh, yeah. She wouldn't stand for that pink tax today. Oh, no. Uh-uh. No way. So anyway, so we already know that she's a, a woman who's thinking outside the box, thinking for herself. And by 1861, they say her typical day-to-day ensemble includes trousers with suspenders, under a knee-length dress with a tight waist and a full skirt. So she sort of is like in pants every day. Now in 1861, of course, Civil War begins the United States. And she decides she's gonna go to Washington because she's a doctor and she wants to serve. And so she's gonna go to Washington, she's gonna offer her services for the Union Army and going to be a medical officer. And of course she gets there and they're like, you're a woman, no, she's turned down. And so instead she says, fine, she's going to volunteer. And she decides she wants to be an unpaid volunteer surgeon for the Union Army. And again, she goes to them. She's like, hey, I'm volunteering, volunteer surgeon. They say, no, you're a woman. So you can be an unpaid volunteer nurse. Oh, what an insult. That is a huge step down. She's a doctor and they let her be an unpaid nurse. Fuck those dudes. (laughs) Fuck those dudes. Exactly. So to, to her credit, she does it. And she is uh, apparently on the front lines. And, you know, I think we've all sort of heard stories and seen dramatic accounts of it's, you know, it's a brutal, terrible war and, you know, shortages of supplies and it's, it's terrible. And during this time, she ends up crossing over into enemy lines. So she ends up crossing over into Confederate territory at times. And she's going there to, maybe she goes to help um, soldiers who have been left behind. Or she's crossing over to help uh, locals who need medical help. Or at times she's even crossing over to help uh, Confederate soldiers. But she sees her her job as she's a physician. Is she going with people or is she just going it made it seem like she was just going by herself i mean i guess she's an unpaid volunteer you just go where you need do whatever you want exactly yeah and she's a woman so she couldn't have any power yeah she couldn't be instrumental in any sort of war purposes well and i i think that so i think that she would go by herself most of the time because she is unfortunately taken captive by the confederate army when she is an enemy on over enemy lines what yes and so we're gonna step back because i forgot to mention something that i think is kind of fun how did they how did they know to take her captive it's a good question is she like wearing union colors i don't know well she's a woman like wearing pants (laughs) and <laughs> that's true the south doesn't like that it's not illegal it might have been in the confederate south they were like what um but uh one thing i forgot to mention is that after she um offered up her services as a medical officer to the army and was turned down she also offered up her services to be a spy 
And they also turned her down. So, <laughs> what the fuck? Stop trying to help she us. We've was got this. So much rejection, and she didn't care. She kept going. Ugh. So, unfortunately, when she is taken captive by the Confederate army. Um, they do take her as a prisoner of war and believe she is a spy. So she is held as a prisoner of war for four months. And during that time, apparently, they keep trying to give her women's clothing and she won't wear it. (laughs) This is amazing. (laughs) How dare they? How dare they? (laughs) Which just kills me. Um, But um, she is eventually, it's only four months. I mean, not not only a prisoner of war, but after four months, she is traded for a uh, Confederate surgeon that the Union Army is holding. And they do a prisoner swap and she is released. And so at this time, finally, when she's released, they end up making her a, quote, contract acting assistant surgeon. Now, this is a civilian post. So this is their way of sort of letting her in. She's in the Ohio 52nd. And so she's like in the army, but not in the army. So she has this post as a surgeon, which is huge because she's the first female surgeon. Right, but they couldn't actually give it to her. They're like, no, we have to retain our dignity. Exactly. It's still like a civilian post. We'll call you an assistant. Oh my God. Exactly. So during this time, um, I had to do a side note because... I came upon something that was so cool that I had to I had to bring it in. So apparently while Mary is in this post as the acting assistant surgeon, she hears about a prisoner named Frank Hook, whose real name is Francis Hook, who was taken prisoner by the Confederates in Atlanta, Georgia. And it turns out that this woman, Frances Hook, when she was 14, dressed as a man and joined the Union Army. Oh, snap. She was taken American Mulan. Another broad. Another broad. So she was taken captive in Atlanta, Georgia, and she decides that she is going to escape. She's like, screw this. So while she's trying to escape, she gets shot in the leg. And they take her and they, so they take her to the hospital. And then that's, of course, how they, when they discover that she's a woman. So word spreads and two really crazy thing ha- things happen. One, you'd think the Confederacy would be like, a woman, we're going to kill her. No, instead, word gets to Jefferson Davis, who is the president of the Confederacy, and he wants to give her a post in the Confederate Army. <laughs> okay. Which is insane. And Francis apparently responds and says she would rather be hanged than fight against the Union Army. Damn right. So Francis is a badass. So Mary hears about this Francis. Um, And she thinks it's like the most amazing story she's ever heard. And so she starts writing letters because she thinks that Francis should be given a large post in the Union Army. And of course, everyone ignores her and is no, no special post is given to Francis. But I just thought it was so cool that we got two broads and one here. I approve. That's rad. So anyway, so the war ends and life goes on for Mary. And she begins organizing... Um, you know, she, she's uh, really involved in the suffragette movement. Mm. She uh, attempts to vote in 1871. Yes. And uh, the women, the fellow women in the suffrage movement don't really want to associate with her because she's really taken now her ma- to wearing the masculine clothing. So there are no skirts involved anymore. She wears a top hat and women sort of want her to be uh, away from, they feel like it har- harms their, the suffrage movement. But she begins writing a lot and she um, publishes the crowning constitutional argument, quote, in which she argues that some states 
as well as the federal constitution had already granted women the right to vote. And so she testifies on women's suffrage before committees of the U.S. House of Representatives in 1912 and 1914. My gosh. Hmm. So she's just a badass. And after the war, Andrew Johnson, of all people, awards her, ready for this, the Presidential Medal of Honor. (laughs) What? Exactly. So this is a huge deal, and she fucking loves this thing. She wears it everywhere. You can see it in the pictures of her that are online. That's the one on the chair. Yes, it's the one on the chair. She <laughs> loves this thing. I would and too. She's she's very active. She even campaigns for Senate in 1888. Of course, she doesn't win. Spoiler. Ugh. So this woman's just, she's trying to do everything she can in every which way. Now, unfortunately, in 1916, they want to take away the Medal of Honor from her. What? I don't think I didn't know they could even do that. Can they even do that? Well, apparently they went and they wanted to revoke multiple medals of honor. So it's not just hers. <laughs> I think there's, you know, there's a huge number of them. And it's all for reasons they say they shouldn't have received it in the first place. And the reason they say that Mary should not have received it was that she was never enlisted and she was never an officer. Because remember, she was given that post... But it was as an acting, you know, civilian post, even though she was a surgeon and even though she was a prisoner of war. Who's the they? Who are the people that were trying to take it away? That's a good question. I don't know. It's whoever was in some sort of government body was charged with some, for some reason, they wanted to clear out these Medal of Honor roles. And so I don't know if this is true, but one of the articles I came across said that when they went to her house to take back the Medal of Honor, that apparently she was wearing it and she answered the door while holding a gun. And so she was not interested in giving it back at all. Pry it for my cold dead fingers. I earned this medal. (laughs) Exactly. That's so ludicrous. You can't take it. That's absurd. That sounds like a bunch of assholes just like got control of the White House and was like, let's wreak havoc. I could see if you like like, committed treason or something, maybe you could lose your medal of honor. But outside of that, like you earned it. Yeah, right? She certainly thought so. Uh, Fortunately, she dies in 1919. And when she dies, she is buried in her full suit. So I'm so pleased to hear that they didn't bury her in a dress. Did they bury her in the medal of honor? They must have. And uh, good news is that President Jimmy Carter legally restored the Medal of Honor to her name. Oh, hooray! So the Medal of Honor is now back belonging to to our dear Mary Edwards Walker. Sweet, sweet Jimmy Carter. So wow. that's our that's our Mary Edwards Walker, a very very badass broad. She's rad. I also like can't believe there's not a whole fashion line named after her at this point. Like, yeah. Have you guys seen the show Gentleman Jack on HBO? Yes. Mm-mm. Oh my God, I'm obsessed with that show. Oh, it's such a great show, but it reminds me, she reminds me of Je- that, whoever, that woman, I don't know what her, her name was in history, but she reminds me of her. Justin, you should watch that show. I think you would like it. I'll add it to the list. Yeah, it's really good. I think your, your partner would like it too. I think you guys would both like it. It's rad. Oh, yeah. I think I used the word rad a bunch of times in this episode. I'm bringing it back. It's... It's possible. Sam, she's amazing. Well, Mary Mary brings it out. I'm I'm so glad you guys liked hearing about her. I loved hearing about her. That was a great she's story. She has. So, readers, I do encourage you to go online and look at the pictures of Mary Edwards Walker. Oh, please look up the pictures. It really adds to it. And maybe maybe Sarah, you can put them on the website or we can put them on Instagram. Heck, yes I can. Like honestly, like li- listen to the pictures before you listen to the episode. You should listen to the pictures. <laughs> Everyone should listen to the pictures. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Is that what I said? Yes. 
my my bad look listen to the pictures watch the podcast let's do this you gotta just use all your senses all the time justin did you have like some covid wine before this it's it's 10 o'clock at night i don't know i'm literally it's cherry coke zero it's not anything but and i'm gonna be up till three in the morning writing a screenplay so whatever i will not be up till 3 a.m um this was great you guys thanks so much for listening if you want to support the show leave us an itunes review or tell a friend about the show tell your sister tell your mother tell your brother tell anybody you run into and uh, you can always reach out to us on instagram at broads you should know or email us at broads you should know at gmail.com and we'll be back next week to tell you about another broad that you should know